when we can change what we believe to be true and we can change it in ways that are aligned with the future that we want rather than our past, we can hijack our biology in such a way that both our behaviors and our perception show us more of the kinds of opportunities that are aligned with the future that we want to create rather than the past that we've been stuck in. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. I'm your host, Alex Nashton, and today we're going to be diving into a solo conversation all about the neuroscience of manifestation. Now, before we get into all of the nitty-gritty nerdiness, I wanted to give you a little behind-the-scenes look at why I decided to record this episode so last minute after weeks and weeks of announcing that the next solo episode was going to be all about the neuroscience of self-confidence. If you have been waiting for the neuroscience of self-confidence, don't worry, I've got that episode stored away and ready to go for the next one. But there have just been a lot of synchronicities and events in my own life, as well as requests from listeners that wanted to dive into this topic more. So before we begin, I want to give you a little behind the scenes look at my own life, actually, because my life has been over the last year a living, breathing manifestation of something that I had been dreaming about for the past seven years. I have been a pretty fervent solo female traveler since I was about 18 years old and since then have been on every single continent by myself other than Antarctica. And this has always been a dream of mine to be able to do meaningful, fulfilling, impactful work from anywhere in the world. And I share that because over the course of this podcast, if you've been listening since the very beginning, since June 1st, 2023, then what you might not know is that this podcast has been recorded, edited, and released from all over the world. The idea for this podcast came to be while I was in Bali. All of the equipment was acquired when I was in Australia earlier this year. Most of the episodes were recorded in Bali and launched in Bali. But since then, I've also been recording, editing, and releasing episodes from the United States, Colombia, Peru, which was a big one on my bucket list, the episode that came out pretty recently with Alex Waters on psychedelics and psilocybin was released actually while I was in Peru hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, which had been a long time, long time dream of mine. I'm currently recording this episode from my friend's apartment in Nashville, Tennessee, and next week I am flying to Greece to visit some friends and family before eventually heading back to Bali. So I share all of that because this life that I'm living is beyond, beyond my wildest dreams. But it took a lot of work for me to get here, and it took a lot of time and patience and discipline. And also looking at my life and looking at myself and looking at the changes that I would need to make and the person that I would need to become in order to make a life like this a reality for myself. Now, during my travels over the past year, one of the places that I just mentioned that I went was Colombia. When I was in Colombia, I was co-facilitating a week-long retreat with my fellow 
teacher and friend, Chrissy Constable. The retreat was sponsored by a yoga studio that we both previously have worked at and Chrissy still works at in Los Angeles called Love Yoga, which is by far my favorite place that I have ever, ever been employed. I was a teacher in that studio, both yoga, meditation, and breathwork teacher for about five years when I was living in Los Angeles. And in the course of those five years, I have had the great privilege of leading a masterclass every new year, every January, all about the neuroscience of manifestation. And before the pandemic, those masterclasses were all in person. But since the pandemic, they've transitioned to being online, which is actually more conducive to this life that I'm living right now, which oftentimes means that I'm not in Los Angeles to teach in person anyway. So that was a bit tangential, but I share that because when Chrissy and I were teaching this retreat in Colombia, one of the things that the women who were at this retreat really wanted to work on and dive deeper into was an understanding of manifestation and what it actually takes, what it actually entails to create a life beyond your wildest dreams. Because I think where people get a little confused about this concept of manifestation is that they believe that it's holding on to a fistful of crystals, crossing your fingers, and praying for a million dollars and a really hunky man with a heart of gold. And that's just not how this works. One of my all-time favorite teachers in the realm of neuroscience and manifestation is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I had the incredible opportunity, I actually manifested the opportunity a few years ago to go to one of his retreats, his week-long retreats for free. And when I was at that retreat, I remember sitting in the crowd because there are about 700 people there. And Dr. Joe Dispenza was up on stage and he asked the participants of this retreat, you know, where they were getting stuck, what they were needing some support with. And I remember this woman raised her hand and she said that she really wanted to call in partnership. What she really wanted to create in her life was partnership. And she kind of looked at Dr. Joe and she was like, I'm doing all of the meditating. I'm holding the vision for him. Where is he? Where the fuck is he? And Dr. Joe just kind of looks at her and he was like, write a list of everything that you want in a partner. She's like, okay. She did it. And then he looked at her and he said, now become it. And I share that story because I think it so beautifully encapsulates what we're going to be diving into in this episode, which is not just wishful thinking, which is not just creating a vision board and lighting a candle and having a seance and like crossing your fingers and praying that you'll get everything that you want. But this episode is going to be about the active practice of becoming the person who can have all of those things that you want, becoming the person who is capable of creating it, who can dismantle and dissect and pull apart all of the limiting beliefs, the fear, the trauma, the judgment, the shame that prevents us from actually being able to take action towards what we want in the first place. So on that note, let's dive right in. For those of you who don't know me very well yet, you may not know that in addition to being 
a super nerd about neuroscience and quantum physics, which are both things that we're going to be talking about today. I'm also a huge nerd when it comes to literature, and I love reading. I love words. I love understanding the etymology of words. When we look at the word manifestation, it comes from two Latin root words, manus meaning hand, and then festus meaning to infect or to hit or to strike. So when we put those two things together, manus and festus, it literally means to hit or infect or to strike one's own hand. When we look at the modern English definition of the word manifestation, it literally translates to a visible, perceptible, outward expression. Period. I'll say that one more time in case you missed it. Manifestation is literally defined as a visible, perceptible, outward expression. What that means is, if you take it a little bit further and if you look at the implications, it means that it's an outward expression, a tangible expression of something that you have already created inside of yourself, of a reality that you have already created internally. Now, I'm going to pause right here and share that if you have not yet listened to episode number one of this podcast on neuroplasticity and how to rewire your brain, I'm going to highly recommend that you do that right now because we're going to just very briefly kind of gloss over this concept of neuroplasticity again in the next few minutes. But know that if you're wanting to go into a deeper dive, episode number one is definitely the place to do that. So if manifestation is an outward expression of a reality that you've already created inside of yourself, That reality has to live somewhere. And the place that it exists is within your neural pathways. So within the interconnected strings of neurons that formulate your thoughts, that formulate your emotions, that formulate your reactions, that formulate everything that constitutes your personality and makes you the person that you are. And all of those neural pathways can either be a reflection of your past or they can be a reflection of your future. So neuroplasticity refers to your brain's ability to rewire itself. Your brain is doing this every single second of every single day, whether you are conscious of it or whether you are unconscious of it. And that change is usually happening in one of two directions you're either going to be creating an entirely new neural pathway or you're going to be strengthening and reinforcing a neural pathway that already exists. Usually the neural pathways that we have that already exist are created based on past experiences that we've had. And Our brains are a little biased in that it's easier for them to follow pathways that already exist than to forge and create new ones. You can think of your brain in this way almost like water. It will always take the path of least resistance. But what that means is it's easier for us to stay the way that we are right now, to stay the same in the person that we are right now, rather than changing rather than becoming the person that we want to be, the person that's a match for 
the kind or quality of partner that we want or the career that we want or the school that we want to get into or the big move, the life change that we're wanting to create. It's easier to stay with who we are right now because that's what our biology is compelling us towards. The caveat is that those previously existing neural pathways don't just have to be a reflection of the experiences that we've had in physical reality in the past. We can also forge, create, and strengthen neural pathways that are associated with the future that we want to create. So every time we're in a state of visualization, anytime we're projecting our minds into the future and thinking about the best case scenario, the best possible outcome, the things that we want, the things that we desire, or alternatively, the worst case scenario, the worst possible outcome, both of those things are forming the imprint of a memory within the neural pathways of our brain. And those neural pathways can be strengthened or reinforced through our continuous revisiting of them. So when Alex of seven years ago had this vision of the Alex that exists today, who is working for herself, an entrepreneur, coaching clients that she's absolutely obsessed with, traveling the world, having all these incredible life experiences, everything that I had been envisioning for years came to physical reality right now. But it's only because I had spent time visually getting myself into what I wanted my life to look like and who I would have to be to have that. This might be something that's shocking for all of you because you know that I tend to be very type A about very certain things. But my nickname growing up was Half Alex because I used to half-ass pretty much everything. My nature is not necessarily to be very type A, to be super organized, to follow through and get things done. But that's something that I've had to learn to become because I knew that that's what would be required of me in order to have the life that I wanted. I knew that I would have to learn to become disciplined in some ways, focused in some ways, learn how to sustain my body's level of motivation, learn how to follow through on my goals and commitments in order to acquire the things that I wanted. So for the last seven years, when I had been sitting in this vision of what I wanted my life to look like, living nomadically, traveling the world, working online, not only did I hold within that frame of vision the end result of what I wanted it to look like, but also who I would have to become to be there and then start to make some changes accordingly. What a lot of that required was looking at the belief systems that I had in place around who I was and how I was and start to dismantle them and pull them apart. Because I had a lot of beliefs around the fact that I half-ass everything, that I don't follow through, that I'm not motivated enough, that I'm not committed enough that I'll never get my business to a place where I'm financially successful enough to travel in the way that I want to travel and live the way that I want to live. I had to look really honestly at all of the belief systems 
that years of thinking in very specific ways had indoctrinated me into keeping my life small and contained and upheld an identity of myself, a perception of myself that was misaligned with who I would need to be in order to have what I wanted. So part of this work, the work of manifestation, is to look at where your thoughts are right now, where your head is right now. The belief systems that you have in place and whether or not they're actually serving you in stepping closer to what it is that you want. The beautiful thing about belief systems is that we can change them. And it's just as delusional for us to be in a state of believing that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy enough, that we're not motivated enough, that we don't follow through enough as it is for us to believe that we can absolutely follow through and create everything that we want. It's just a matter of which delusion would you rather believe in? Which delusion is more supportive to you? And when it comes to making changes, actually acting in alignment with the belief system that best supports what your vision is and how you can bring that to life. So for me, what that looked like was asking myself, you know, I'm not somebody who's particularly motivated. I'm not somebody who's disciplined. I'm not somebody who follows through on my commitments. But if I was that kind of person, what would that look like? How would I behave? How would I show up to my day-to-day life? And then to start to take action that would move the needle and move my body and move my behavior more towards the person that I wanted to be than the person that I presently was. And when I first started doing this work, it felt very confronting. It felt very inauthentic. At times, it felt very forceful. It felt like I was pushing myself to do something that felt so incongruent with the identity that I had previously held. But after a few weeks of showing up every single day for my business, of learning how to manage my money and my finances in ways that would allow me to save and invest and build to get to the point where I could travel the way that I am, to have the courage to quit the part-time jobs and the side hustles that I had been keeping because I felt like I needed a financial safety net and cushion in case all of my own stuff completely fell apart, or if I didn't have the courage make the choice to quit them, even though I felt scared, all of those things were acting in alignment with the person that I wanted to be rather than the person that I previously was. And when you make decisions like that over and over and over and over again, eventually it does move the needle and you do begin to change. There's this saying that I love that's a Carl Jung quote, and it's, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. So a big part of this work, a big part of the work of manifestation is looking really honestly at what do I believe right now? What is my life a reflection of right now? Because most of the time, our lives are a reflection of the current belief systems that we have in place. 
And until we start to become aware of those things, we will unconsciously act in alignment with those beliefs. What it takes to change them is awareness and consciousness, but also the uncomfortable decision to act in the opposite direction. And there is a lot that is compelling us not to. Specifically, we have these cognitive biases that like to keep us in place. One of them is called perceptual confirmation. The other one is called behavioral confirmation. And they evolved out of the very human trait, which is that we all really, really love to be right. Our brains really love to be right. So in perceptual confirmation, our brains literally filter out information that contradicts the belief systems that we uphold to be true. So if I had a belief that I would never be able to financially take myself on this wild adventure, then my brain would selectively attend to and filter out anything that contradicted that belief while showing me more and more evidence to support it, while showing me more evidence and examples of people who had tried to do what I wanted to do but had failed miserably, or fixate on the financial setbacks that I did have rather than the money and the opportunities that were coming in that would allow me to leave all of my side hustle jobs sooner. The other cognitive bias that I mentioned was called behavioral confirmation. You can think of behavioral confirmation almost as a self-fulfilling prophecy, whereby we will unconsciously act in ways that continue to affirm the belief systems that we currently have. And that goes back to the Carl Jung quote again, which is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. We act in ways that only continue to affirm what it is that we believe to be true. But here's the kicker. When we can change what we believe to be true, and we can change it in ways that are aligned with the future that we want rather than our past, we can hijack our biology in such a way that both our behaviors and our perception show us more of the kinds of opportunities that are aligned with the future that we want to create rather than the past that we've been stuck in. So all of that's to say, manifestation step one is looking at the belief systems that you currently uphold, looking at the thoughts that you currently uphold, and beginning to change them both through the ways that you are thinking. And if you need better ideas as to how to do that, go visit episode number one of this podcast on neuroplasticity and how to rewire your brain. And then start to take action that's aligned with what you want and who you would need to be to have that rather than the person that you have been in the past. Manifestation step number two is to change your emotional state. And there are two really big reasons why this is important and relevant as it pertains to manifestation. The first is because the relationship between your mind and your body works in two ways, not just one. And a lot of times we think of our mental phenomena, our thoughts, our cognitions, our belief systems as things that are exclusively happening within the container of our head. And that is absolutely not the case. For every thought that we think, there's usually an emotional reaction that occurs. When I have the thought of, I'm not good enough, or 
I'm not worthy or I could never do that. I'm not motivated enough. It will evoke an emotional reaction. Whether that emotional reaction is anger or fear or sadness or disappointment or whether it's a slew of other more positive emotions that come from more uplifting beliefs that we might have in place, for every thought that we think, there's an emotional reaction that we experience. And our emotions don't just happen within our neural pathways, they also happen within our bodies as well. Primarily through these little tiny vehicles called neuropeptides, which are a type of neurotransmitter, and you can think of them almost as the molecule of emotion. So for every emotion that we experience, there's a neuropeptide associated with that emotion, where for the emotion of anger, we have anger neuropeptides. For the emotion of sadness, we have sadness neuropeptides. For joy, we have joy neuropeptides. And when we experience one of those emotions, these neuropeptides are released in our brain, but they're also released in other parts of our bodies, like our heart, our lungs, our intestinal tract. Actually, a lot of our neuropeptides are released within the GI tract and they move throughout our bloodstream and they will bind to and impact almost every single cell in our bodies. So almost every single cell in our bodies has receptor sites for our neuropeptides. And you can think of these receptor sites and neuropeptides almost as like a lock and a key. So there are, for example... With anger neuropeptides, there are receptor sites very specifically for those angry neuropeptides. Only anger can bind with those receptor sites. Neuropeptides of joy can't bind with them. Sadness can't bind with them. Love can't bind with them. They're all very unique. But when a specific neuropeptide binds with a receptor site on a cell, it will change the biology of that cell in such a way that it creates a greater affinity for that cell and all of its other receptor sites for that neuropeptide to bind with more and more of that type of peptide and bind less and less with the other ones. So it's kind of like if you are continuously feeding your cells anger, if you're continuously feeding your cells sadness, if you're continuously feeding your cells shame, then you create a greater affinity for your cells to feel those emotions and decrease their ability to experience the other types of emotions less and less and less. Now, where this gets even trippier is that when we have fed our cells, when our cells have bound with certain neuropeptides more so than others, when they duplicate, when they reproduce, when they make more of themselves, the two new daughter cells will have even more receptor sites for those specific emotions and significantly fewer for the other ones. And it's in this way that our bodies become addicted to a certain extent to our emotional experiences. And subsequently, our thoughts, because our emotional experiences are typically caused by our thoughts. Now, how this pertains to physical reality and manifestation and the effect that our inner world has on our outer world actually has more to do with quantum physics than it does with neuroscience. So I'm going to give you all a little reminder of 
one of your high school science class lessons, which is that everything in this world is created of atoms. Atoms are composed of protons and neutrons in their nucleus, and then a shell of electrons on the outside. And those electrons can exist in two states. One of those states is as pure energy, as pure potential that is invisible and intangible. And that's what the world of quantum physics calls an electron in its wave form. The other way an electron can exist is in its particle form, which is as matter, which is as physical reality. What physicists have discovered collapses the energy of an electron in its wave form as pure energy into its particle form as matter, as physical reality, is the presence of an observer. This is what is known as the observer effect. So essentially, what they discovered is that when they would look through electron microscopes, wherever they would place their gaze, wherever they would place their attention, is where the electrons would formulate from energy into matter. Now, a lot of the New Age hippies will argue that this is as simple as it gets in terms of manifestation, that what you choose to focus on is what you will create in your physical reality. But I think it's a little more nuanced than that. And there's some research specifically that's been done by the Heart Math Institute in Northern California that supports this which is that it's not enough when it comes to our human experience of manifestation to just hold our thoughts and attention on the vision of what it is that we want, but that we also have to get our emotional experience aligned with it as well. The speculation behind this is that electrons in their waveform are vibrating at a really, really, really high frequency, at a really high speed. And electrons in their material form as matter are vibrating at a slower frequency. What we know about our brains, about our nervous systems, is that they're partially electrical in nature. And if you need a refresher on that, again, I'm going to direct you back to episode number one of this podcast. Our nervous systems are electrical. So there is an amplitude and frequency of energy that is moving through our body at any given moment in time based on our neural pathways and the way that information is being conducted through them. And just like anything else that's conducting an electrical current, there is an electromagnetic field that is emitted from the conductivity of our nervous systems. So in other words, the electrical energy of your body is palpable and measurable even beyond the container of your own skin. And the amplitude and frequency of the electrical energy that your body is conducting is in part determined by your emotional experiences. What scientists have found is that emotions that we deem as being more negative, such as shame, guilt, anger, resentment, judgment, sadness, depression, anxiety, 
all tend to have a slower and lower amplitude and frequency of electrical energy that they cause our bodies to emit. However, emotions associated with gratitude, joy, unconditional love have a higher amplitude and frequency of electrical energy. And that that higher amplitude and frequency of electrical energy is more aligned with electrons that are in their waveform as pure energy. And that when we can put our thoughts and attention on something in the external world that we're wanting to create, we can participate in enacting physical change through holding our attention there while also generating these more positive emotions. I'll give you the example from the research that was done at HeartMath Institute. So in this experiment that was done at HeartMath, they had three testing groups. One group was a control group. So they gave the individuals within the control group vials of DNA, of human DNA. They gave the second testing group vials of DNA and asked them to hold the intention in their minds of the DNA unraveling. They asked the third group to hold the intention in their minds of the DNA unraveling while also generating a feeling of gratitude or appreciation or love. And no shocker, what they found is that the group that had both the elevated emotional experience, along with the intention, the vision for what they wanted to happen, enacted more change on that DNA unraveling itself than either of the other two groups. I share that in part because this concept of manifestation is so elusive, and there really isn't a ton of research that substantially supports it. But that what it requires is that we generate more positive emotions while holding a vision for what it is that we want. What that means is that we have to be in the active practice of shifting ourselves into states of gratitude, love, and appreciation. There's this saying in the world of neuroscience, which is fake it till you make it. That by practicing gratitude, even when it feels inauthentic, you create the conditions within your own nervous system to feel it more authentically and let it arise naturally. So having an active gratitude practice, and especially having an active gratitude practice that is centered around the life that you want to create is one of the facets of what we're talking about today in terms of true manifestation. For me, what that looked like was sitting in my daily meditation practice and for just a few moments at the end every day, mustering up a feeling of gratitude and appreciation for the life that I wanted to create. Gratitude for the financial means and freedom to be able to travel in the way that I wanted to gratefulness for the success of my business and my ability to get it to a place where I wasn't attached to any one location. Gratefulness for the motivation and the discipline and the hard work that would enable me to step into this life. 
And if this is something that you're wanting to learn even more about and dive even deeper into, then you are cordially invited to my New Year Manifestation Workshop, all about the neuroscience of manifestation. I teach it every single year through Love Yoga, which is a yoga studio in Venice Beach, California, but I teach the masterclass entirely online. I know we're still a few months out, but just wanted to share that this is something that happens every single year, should you be wanting to dive even deeper into it. And if you are feeling like you're getting a little stuck in terms of closing the gap between where you're at right now and where you want to be, then for the next week, so for exactly one week from the day that this podcast episode is released, I am offering something really special exclusively to the listeners of Talk Nerdy to Me, which is that if you send me a DM over on Instagram at Alex underscore Nashton, again, that's at Alex, A-L-E-X underscore Nashton, N-A-S-H-T-O-N over on Instagram, I am more than happy to offer you a little bit of DM support on figuring out what your next steps are and moving through whatever obstacles, whether they are internal or external, that may be getting in your way. I hope that this episode was super, super supportive to you. Since I started this podcast, I've been getting more and more inquiries about one-on-one coaching and just wanted to share that I'm not always taking on new one-on-one coaching clients. But when I am, I always like to make sure it's a good fit first. I do that through having somewhere between one to two calls with somebody before we'll decide whether it's a good decision to continue working together. Coaching is a long-term commitment of time. Because of that, I don't just like to work with anybody who reaches out. I really like to make sure that it feels like a good fit for both of us. So if you are somebody who's been interested in diving a little bit deeper and getting some support, there's going to be a link in the show notes where you can find an application to schedule a complimentary call with me. Again, I'm not always taking on new clients, but when I do, completing that application and hopping on a call for a little vibe check is a requisite. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.